I want to welcome you to this brand new series we're kicking off today called Canyons, uh, Trusting God in the Dark Nights of the Soul. And I'm glad that you're here. Welcome. I want to welcome our online audience too. Glad that you guys are, are turning in as well. How many of you have ever had uh, a time in your life or an experience that really took you to a dark place? Maybe you may have been depressed and despair, uh, hurting so bad, you kind of felt like you were in a cave. How many of you would say, yeah, I've gone through a dark night of the soul along the way? Well, it, it, all of us do at some point or another. And the whole purpose of this series is how do we find and hang on to God when those times come along? Because they will come along. It's just a matter of when. And one of the great things we discover is that in the Psalms, we find David journaling about his dark nights of the soul. And he lets us in on how God walked him through those experiences. And we can find great hope for ourselves. And I think you're going to find this series really helpful. And again, I can't tell you again how helpful I think it'll be for you to invite some other people in on this because I promise you we're going to talk about some things that somebody you know is really going to need. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. This is uh, Charlie and Haley. They, uh, they live in southeast England uh, in the Kent area. Um, they were so excited a little over a year ago, they um, were... Uh, uh, first time, going to be first time homeowners for the first time in their life. They were having a home that was going to be theirs and they were having it built. How many of you have ever built your own home or had someone build? Yeah. And they were so excited. They were, you know, had a chance to help design what it was going to look like and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they watched it go up and, and with great anticipation, they, they moved into their new home. So you can imagine for them, uh, just about three months after they moved into this brand new home that cost them over $500,000 to build. You can imagine what it was like. One night, about midnight, uh, they were laying there in bed, and all of a sudden, they heard this incredible rumbling sound and this noise that sounded like something was exploding. And when they got up and they went downstairs, thought the next picture, this is what they saw outside that had come off the front part of their house. Look at the next piece. Now throw the next piece up. This brand new home just had a whole section fall off. Can you, how many of you would have been distressed about that? Yeah. Half a million dollar home, three months after it's built, and this whole front section just falls off. And they contacted the builder, and the builder said, oops. <laughs> and so they came out with their scaffolding and, and said, we'll, we'll try to, you know, make sure that we put that back up there. And, and, and what was so interesting in, in, what, in listening to the interview with this couple was how they talked about, you know, is this house even safe? Can we trust the floors? Are we going to be laying in bed one night and the whole thing come falling down around us? And they were so terribly disappointed. You ever had a dream crash like that? Come on, I know it's Sunday morning and it's kind of hard to admit these things in church, but how many of you be honest enough to admit there has been at least somewhere along the way in your walk of lifetimes you've been really disappointed before? Yeah, yeah. Here's what I know. If you've been married, you've been disappointed. <laughs> and all married couples said, amen. If you had kids, you have been disappointed. <laughs> And all God's parents said, if you've had parents, you've been disappointed. And all God's children said, 
If you've had a job, you've been disappointed. If you've had people work for you, you've been disappointed. What I can tell you is that for every single one of us, disappointment is going to be a part of this journey of life. And we're going to need to know how to deal with it. And that's what I want to talk about today. In Psalm 3, David journals about his disappointment. Uh, In Psalm 3, David uh, was writing this out of the experience of his son Absalom, who decided one day he wanted to be king, and he didn't want to wait for daddy to die. And so he was just going to create a rebellion and, and take over the throne. Now, you know, kids are difficult on their best days. Um, but can you imagine what was going on for David to, to realize, to get the word that your own son was now after you, was not only going to kick you off the throne, was probably going to put you to death. That this son wanted power and fame and fortune so bad that you didn't matter anymore. Can you imagine the extreme disappointment that David felt? It was the death of a dream. It was the death of a relationship. It was death of so many things for him. Well, if you've ever experienced disappointment like that, you'll be able to identify with David's words. Let's throw them up on the screen from Psalm 3. He says, oh Lord, I have many, so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, oh Lord, I love this, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept and yet I woke up in safety For the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. I love this next line. Slap all my enemies in the face. Well, how many of you have ever prayed that? I love that. Just slap my enemies in the face right now. I love it. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Read the last line out loud with me. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. This morning, I want to talk about this whole, um, this whole idea of disappointment. And I want, to, I, want to look at it, I want to look at it from two different angles. First thing I want to talk about for a few minutes is when I was writing this message, one of the things that hit me is how God actually uses disappointment in our lives. Now, it's not how we like God to act, but God really does. In fact, what we discover is that disappointments are actually kind of the side door where God teaches us and works in our lives. Now, let me give you, let me give you a few ways of, of what, that, what that looks like. Um, one of the things we know, in fact, throw that passage of Scripture up. I love this. In Romans 8, 8, 8, 28. Read this out loud with me. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, let me stop here for a second. We know that in what kind of things? Say it again. All things. In, in other words, no matter what happens <coughs> around us, God is at work. And here's what, what that means. Even if you experienced an incredible disappointment this last week, it doesn't necessarily mean it came from the hand of God, because most likely it did not. But what it does mean is that even in the midst of that thing that's happened to you, God is working. Amen? He is working. It's one of those side doors he's going to use. Now, how does he use those? God can use our disappointments 
to draw us nearer to him. To draw us nearer to him. Now, I know that sometimes disappointments are, you know, cause us to create distance between us and God. But a lot of times, disappointments are what causes us to go after him. I love Psalm 77. Throw that up on the screen for me. Psalm 17. He says, when I was in distress, what did I do? Say it again. I sought the Lord. In other words, David was saying, you know what? It was when I was put under pressure. It was when I was disappointed, when I was hurting. I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. In other words, he was saying, Lord, you know, this, in those moments of distress, that's when I really go after God. God can also use our disappointments to increase our faith, to increase our faith. Now, this isn't how we want God to increase our faith, but it is how God often does it. Think about it this way. Does it take greater faith to trust God when everything's going well or when the bottom falls out? You see, it, it takes nothing for me to believe that God's on his throne when all is right with the world. But man, it's when things come apart, that's when God has a chance to really develop that faith. Does that make sense to you? That's what was going on for the prophet Habakkuk. Um, if you, if, I love in Habakkuk 1, the very first part of, the, of, the, of chapter 1, Habakkuk's having this discussion with God. And he's like, I don't get this. He says, the, the, the bad guys are winning. The good guys are losing. What's up with that, God? That's not the way it's supposed to be. And God says something to him. I thought it was so interesting. He says, you know what? I'm going to do something out of all of this that you wouldn't understand even if I told you. In other words, you're just going to have to trust me. And, and that's where Habakkuk had to learn how to hang on to God in this dark night of his soul. And I love how at the end of Habakkuk in, in chapter 3, how Habakkuk talks about that. Throw that up. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the salt, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my Savior. Read it with me, church. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. In other words, Habakkuk says, man, when, when I'm in those places and I can't find my way, I'm just hanging on to God, and my feet are just stepping where his step. That's all I can do. Uh, and he stretches and he develops our faith. God, interestingly enough, can use our disappointments to encourage other people, to encourage people. You ever gone through a hard time, um, experienced some kind of setback or loss, and you're, you talk to someone and they tell you how they experienced that exact loss, and they tell you what they learned and how they hung on and what they were able to do to get through that. You know, it, it is so helpful when we have someone else who can do that. God can use our disappointments to do the same thing for someone else. That's what he talks about in 2 Corinthians. Throw it up on the screen for me, would you? He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. Now read it with me out loud who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. In other words, when God walks us through those times of disappointment, now we've got the opportunity to help somebody else who has, is now walking where we have been. Let me give you one more piece, and this one will hurt just a little bit. 
God also uses disappointments to make us more mature. He uses disappointments to make us more mature. Now, I know we don't want to, but we need to. In fact, just help somebody out. Just turn to the person you're sitting beside. Just turn to them and go, it's time to grow up. <laughs> oh, some of you are going to thank me after the service for that one. I know. You, you, Pastor, I've been waiting all week to say that to him. I can't believe you gave me that permission. But, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah. How many, of you, how many of you discovered as you were growing up from a child into young adulthood, how many of you discovered life didn't always go your way? And you didn't always get what you asked for. And it always didn't always turn out how you wanted it. You know, that's, that's a part of the, of the maturity that you learn that, you know what, I'm not, I'm not in control of life. And I've got I've to learn how to be okay even when things around me aren't okay or the way that I want. Uh, James talks about that in James chapter 1. Throw that up on the screen for me. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Read it with me. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, all I want to say through all of that is that sometimes we, we really despise the disappointing times that we're in. But I just want you to know that if, if we can open our hearts and we can open our minds, God can actually use those disappointments like a side door to really grow us, develop, stretch us, and teach us. Does that make sense to you? That's how he works in our lives. Now, let me flip a corner here. God, we, we talked about how God can use disappointments, but how do we deal with disappointments? So, well, Pastor Steve, you know, okay, disappointments are going to happen. So how, how do we deal with that? What, what do I need to know? Let me give you a couple of things. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. You have to learn to get honest with God. You have to learn to get honest with God. I know, I know you've had disappointments, but here's my question to you. Have you talked to God about those disappointments? Now, what you need to understand is this. God can handle that. He can handle your doubt. He can handle your fear. And he can handle the fact that you're disappointed with him because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. And sometimes what I've discovered in in the journey of faith is sometimes our, our disappointments are like the elephant in the room with God. And we talk to God about everything else about this one thing that we aren't talking about, that we really need to talk about. Does that make sense to you? Um, yeah. How many, how many married couples do we have here today? How many people were married? Yeah. How many of you have learned without your spouse ever saying a word to you, you've learned how to read them that they are disappointed with you? Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's because they start uh, putting on the gun, or maybe, you know, or maybe they, you know, whatever. You know, what we, but you, but you, you, you learn that, and, and it's so interesting. Wanda and I will be married for 44 years this coming June, and, uh, and it's so interesting because, you know, I'm a heart person, so my, I wear my emotions out on my sleeve. Wanda has more of a head person, kind of, you know, 
But I'll, I'll, I'll look at her and I can, I can tell, I can tell when she's upset with me. I, I can tell just by her mannerisms. And, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, if, if you think you're camouflaging this, it's not. And finally I'll say to her, are we okay? Are you okay? And it's in those moments that she'll get really honest with me. <laughs> no! You know? Well, and that's the way it is. It's with God. Look at me. Do you think God doesn't know you're disappointed? <laughs> he can not only read your actions and read your face. He knows what's in your heart. He knows it before you ever speak it. Amen? Now, why this is so important is this, gang. If you're, if you're not really talking to God about those places where you're struggling, you're keeping God right here. That's why I, I wrote this in, in my notes, and I thought this is just something good for you to remember. You can't be intimate with God if you're not honest with God. You can't be. You can't be intimate with God unless you're honest with God. I love, again, what, what David wrote, Psalm 51. Read it with me, church. You deserve honesty from the heart, utter sincerity and truthfulness. Let me give you a second way when we're talking about dealing with, with disappointment. And this is so important. Don't let disappointment turn into despair. Don't let disappointment turn into despair. Now, the difference between all of us sitting in this room this morning is not whether or not we're going to face disappointments because all of us are going to have disappointment. Here's the difference. How do you deal with disappointment? Because if you don't manage that disappointment well, that disappointment is going to begin to go inward and it's going to become debilitating to you. And, and, and we need to learn how to not take this disappointment that happens to all of us and, and, and let it take over our lives. Now, how do we do that? Well, or when do we do that? Well, let me, give you, let me give you a couple examples and maybe you can see yourself in this. Are you ready? It'll become debilitating for you whenever you personalize it. Whenever you personalize it. Whenever you make that disappointment, something that you think was targeted just toward you, I promise you, it, it, it's going to start becoming debilitating. Now, this is what we have to understand. John 16, Jesus said this. In this world, you will have, say it, troubles. Everybody say troubles. Troubles. In this world. How many of you are in this world? How many of you aren't really sure if you're here? Yeah, got about half a hands on it. If, if you are in this world, here's what I promise you, you are going to have troubles. And so you, you, you've got to realize that it's no different for you than it is for anyone else. Um, some time ago, so interesting, I was, I was meeting with someone and they were, they were talking to me about some of the stuff that they were dealing with and, and their life would be a bit overwhelming. And, and then one of the things they said I just thought was so funny. They, they said, you know, Pastor Steve, said, you know, I, I, I come to church and, 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 I, and I'm sitting there. And she goes, it's so hard for me to, to be there because, you know, I'm sitting there and I've got all this mess going on in my life. And I'm surrounded by all these people whose lives are just great. And I started laughing. And I said, what church do you go to? <laughs> because if you're, you're talking about our church, I promise you, I know where you sit. And I know the people. And can I tell you something? Their lives are every bit as much of a mess as your life. And then some. 
Because here's what we know. Sometimes we, we think that I'm going through this and nobody else is feeling this pain and everybody's got this smile on. And what we don't understand is I promise you within arm's distance of you, there are people who are struggling financially and they're holding on by a thread. There are people who are in relational crisis who, who wonder if they're going to make it. There are people who are facing health issues that would stagger you if you were dealing with them. You just need to understand it. You may be disappointed today, but it ain't personal, baby. Because everybody on your row is dealing with their own. Amen? You got that right. Second, we, it'll become debilitating if we don't let ourselves grieve. If we don't let ourselves grieve. I was talking to Wanda last night about the message, and she said, you know, she said, not letting yourself grieve is one of the major causes of depression. You see, if we don't acknowledge this disappointment, if we're not willing to admit this is going on, if we, if we shy away from it, if we, if we won't let ourselves really feel it, then we can't process it. And, and sometimes we're afraid of grieving. Sometimes we're afraid of, of the weeping and, and the sorrow that comes. But you do understand that that sorrow, that weeping, that crying, that, that grieving, that's how God gets the inside pain out. And if you don't let yourself do that, it becomes inward. And truly, that's a great cause of why we become depressed. Does that make sense to you? Um, thirdly, disappointments will become debilitating when we isolate. They'll become de debilitating when we isolate. Now, come on, it's just us. Can we get honest with each other? How many of you would be honest enough to admit that when you're really walking through a tough time, rather than sharing that with someone, you, you tend to just kind of hide that in your heart and keep it to yourself? Come on. And that's the tendency for a lot of us. And yet what happens to us is when we, when we pull away from people, when we withdraw, when we, when we pull away from church, we pull away from our class, we pull away from our group, we pull away from our friends, or, or we pull away from our family, when, when, we, when we draw back into our cave, that's when we just then go one-on-one -on -one with the enemy. And the enemy is really good. And this is where he begins to tell you all those lies. No one cares about you. No one else is going through this. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're the victim and all, and all this stuff. He just goes on and on and on about all this stuff. And he, because you, you've isolated. There is a reason why. Ecclesiastes writer said, two are better than one. If you fall down, you got somebody there to help you up. If you're, if you're, if you're cold, you've got somebody to help warm you up. If you're in a fight, you got somebody there to help defend you. He said, you know what? Even a three-braided strand is even better. And I just want to tell you, we, we, we sometimes say this, and it's really not true. We often will, will say, Jesus is all I need. And you have to understand that's really not how God meant it. Because from the very beginning of time, God said these words, it's not good to be, say it again, alone. God created us not only to need him. He created us to need one another. Amen. I had a, uh, I got a beautiful text this, this last Friday on Valentine's Day from someone who's uh, nearly new to our church. We've only been here maybe a few months. And, and I, I just loved how they got this point. Here's what they said. 
in their text. They said, thank you for building a wonderful ministry where I truly feel at home and feel like people actually care about me. In such a short time, I feel like I'm creating friendships uh, for the first time in my life. I never in my life thought I would crave going to church three times a week or thought I would find hope while struggling with my faith. God bless you, Wanda, and the rest of the staff uh, for making church feel like home. Happy Valentine's Day. I thought, they get it. They get it. Look at me, gang. We do better together. Amen? We do better together. You can't keep the disappointment from coming, but you can keep it from becoming debilitating. Let me give you one more. Sometimes, sometimes our disappointments are actually God's detours. Sometimes our disappointments are actually God's detours. In Psalm 3, at the very end in those last, that last sentence or two, David acknowledges that all the stuff that he's walking through, all of the stuff that he's facing, he, he makes a statement, but victory comes from the Lord. And when I was, I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how God does promise us victory. He promises that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord, that nothing can separate us from his love, how, how we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. God does promise us the victory. But then I, I wrote this. I put this on your outline. Throw that up on the screen for me. God promises us the victory. He just doesn't promise it'll look like what we think. And I think that's where we struggle. And sometimes we, when, our, when this disappointment happens and a dream falls apart, sometimes we think, God, you, you let me down. But what if, what, if, what if God didn't answer that prayer simply because he was trying to get you to a different place that you needed to be? So while last year I had a, had a man who messaged me on Facebook, uh, he uh, follows my, my daily devotional page here and and he said, Pastor Steve, would you, would you pray for me? He said, I'm, I'm being falsely accused at work. And, and I'm afraid that it might end up costing me my job. And, um, and so we stayed in contact and we were messaging back and forth. And I told him we would, I would pray and I did. And he messaged me and he said, they, they, they have said that they think they believe it's true. And, you know, I'm going to be penalized for that. And he said, I, I've, I've filed an appeal. And then he wrote me later and he said, I lost that appeal. I have filed a second appeal. And he wrote me back and he said, I, I lost the second appeal. And he was so despondent. About, I didn't hear from him for about three months. And three or four months later, he messaged me back. And he said, Pastor Steve, you remember last year when I was asking you to pray for me about that job situation? He said, just wanted you to know. He said, I ended up losing my job over that. And he said, I just didn't understand how that could happen when I hadn't done anything wrong. He said, but you know what? He said, I've landed a better job doing something I really love to do for more money. He, he said, I, I can't believe, I can't believe how God took something that I thought was a disaster and turned it into something good. 
You see, sometimes these disappointments, God doesn't answer the way that we think. Sometimes they're really um, little detours that God sends us on to do something in our lives that we wouldn't have imagined. Does that make sense to you? Rachel, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if if you guys would go ahead and and get ready and take your places. This morning, um, Rachel's going to lead us in a song. It's It's just a beautiful song that says, Jesus, I need you. And one of my favorite lines out of the song is it talks about how God can take beauty, make beauty out of ashes. And maybe this morning you've come in with your disappointments. I have no idea what they might be. But maybe this last week you've been hurting because life hasn't gone the way that you wanted it to go. Maybe someone let you down or you were disappointed at work or maybe you've really been praying for something and maybe God didn't answer that prayer the way you wanted him to answer it. And maybe today you you came in feeling just a little bit heavy. Are you ready to get honest with God? Can you lay your disappointment out before him? And this morning as we sing that song, you can do that right where you are if you're, you're comfortable there. But um, we have prayer partners in all four corners of the room. And you know what? They are people who would love to pray with you about whatever is going on in your life. You can tell them as little or as much as you would, you would want about it. But they would be happy to just pray a prayer for you and ask God's blessing for you. Ask God to breathe new life into you. And if you would like that, while we're singing this song, I invite you to just get up from where you are and go to one of them, and they'll be happy to pray with you right there. There may be some of you who just want a moment with God by yourself. Maybe you want to slip out and come to an altar and just have a moment with God where you can just kneel before him and say, Lord, here it is. I don't want to bear this anymore by myself. Um, There may be some of us here Look at me. There may be some of us here. We're disappointed with life. Maybe you've never opened your heart and just invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, to give your life meaning, purpose. And maybe today the prayer for you is to say, come, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for trying to do this all by myself. Lead me in the way that you want me to be. You pray that prayer, I promise you this. God will begin to set you on a journey. He promises this. He's not going to promise you if you give your heart to him today, he's not going to promise you life's going to get any easier. Here's what he does promise. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't be alone. Amen. You feel free to respond however you feel led this morning. Lord Jesus, that is the cry of our heart today. We need you. Your word says that you know our prayers before we ever speak them. And so you know what's going on for each and every person who is here today. You saw the hands that were raised. You know the hearts that were moved. And you know what we're wrestling with and struggling with and where our places of disappointment are. 
Father, I pray right now, as we are crying out to you, that you would meet each and every one right now, right here at their point of need. I pray, Father, that as we lay our disappointments before you, that we would just feel your arms encompass us, that we would have the assurance that no matter what we go through, you are Emmanuel, God with us. And would you help us to hold on to you as you hold on to us? Father, come alongside of us this morning. I know that there are some today who came in feeling very alone. And would you remind them today, they are not. You are here. We are here. We are only as alone as we choose to be. And God, I pray, I pray that you would help us to create a place here, a safe place, a place where there are loving and kind people. Hearts that can melt together. Place where two or three can come together and share the needs of their lives and find strength and encouragement. Lord, you are our shield around us. You are our victory. We lean into you today and give you thanks for Jesus Christ who made it all possible. And it is in his precious name that we pray this morning. And everyone said, amen, amen.